0: Everyone, welcome back to EMIGCAST, your source for emergency medicine ideas, inspiration, and information for medical students. My name is Nicole Overgaard, and I am a second-year medical student at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, and I will be your host today. I want to welcome our guest, Drew Grabham, a social worker and Portland Street Medicine board member. Hey, Drew, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat today about your experience with Portland Street Medicine and kind of your journey that brought you to doing that work. Before we dive in, can you set the scene for our listeners? What does your average street medicine shift look like?
1: So our, our, our team is a group of volunteers. Often it's an emergency room doc um, and a social worker. Um, and an RN. And then we have a, tend to have a scribe or another visitor, but we really, we have a, um, we meet up, get our van loaded up with all of our supplies. And we usually have a list from our operations manager of people that we're going to go out and visit in the camps um, and the specific, you know, reasons we're getting referred to see them. And it's oftentimes a lot of wound care, skin care, or sort of medical checkups um, for the individuals. And we kind of, we group up and kind of get ourselves prepared and look at our list and kind of center ourselves in why we're doing the work and then jump in the van and, um, hit out on the streets. And then it really entails us to just kind of driving to a location, getting our backpacks with our stuff, um, and starting to kind of venture out to like, look for folks and walking through the woods or through the camps or wherever it happens to be. And, you know, you'll often hear like uh, someone say like, Portland street medicine, you know, some volunteer docs, social workers, nurses, just looking, see if anyone needs anything. And then, inevitably, we hear a voice, um, or we see a hand or a foot out of a tent, and that says, "Hey, I need you to check this out." And then that's our kind of key and our invitation to kind of come in. And then that's where the real magic happens: is where you see this team of professionals, you know, um, getting to work with an individual and, like, you know, at, you know, asking questions or lis- really actively listening to like what's ha- what's going on. Tell me more about this, and then figuring out if we need to. Uh, you know, provide some antibiotics or provide a bit of script or do some wound care or some education or some resources, or if we need to try to talk to them like, Hey, I think it's time to go to the hospital. Can we help you get there? Could we, could we call ahead? What could we do to help you there? And I think a lot of our job is to just offer people choices and really just empower them to figure out what's the right choice for them. If they want to go to the hospital or not, or if they really don't, why not? And what could we do as an alternative there? Um, And then, you know, we kind of make a plan. And sometimes it's like, that's our one visit. We're not planning to come back. You, you have your thing. And we, we look down the list and we go out to the next tent or we, we go to the next location that we're trying to see people. But, um, yeah, and it just kind of repeats itself. And, and with each time, it's like this cool adventure, but it's also this cool just moment in time where we just get to meet people where they're at. They get to meet us where we're at, which is like professionals just doing this as volunteers, because we want to do the work. We want to get back to the purity of why we, went and got the training and it's just this kind of magical human moment of like chatting sometimes we're just visiting and chatting or sitting down and you know having a good laugh or 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 checking in on someone or 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 grieving with them because someone's passed or a pet has passed or whatever it is but it's it's really kind of this beautiful human moment and then um we kind of move on and and then we, our team kind of ends up a week and we really reflect and like are really thankful for the opportunity that we had to meet the people and like do the work that we did and have the privilege we had to meet them. And then we kind of like go on home and, and visit our families. But it's 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 a really special, beautiful way of like practicing medicine. Um, and it's, it's refreshing to, you know, leave your day job. My day job was in the ER. So it, I would look forward to like Oh, I got the shift, but after shift, I'm going on street medicine and I would light up and it would get me through sort of working in this fairly traumatic system. And then I would just have this big beam and smile and be like, but I get to go do this. And it would just be, um, just really powerful for myself to really heal myself as I'm going on.
0: Sounds like you've had some pretty amazing interactions with people out on the streets and that it's really created. A nice way for you to balance your work life. (laughs) I know you touched on how these interactions can be really positive and really powerful for you, but I would also think that some of these interactions could also carry some vicarious trauma with them. So what kind of wellness or self-care do you and the team practice? Yeah, I love that.
1: Um, uh, let's talk. I'll talk about the the what the teams do and like the setup that we have, and then I'm, I'll talk about my practice and how I've done that because I think they're they're both complementary and they're both really important. So at the end of every shift, you don't we're not leaving the van without talking about our feelings, which is the opposite of what an ER shift is, which is I'm clocking out and getting the hell out of here as fast as I can. So we are we are in very intentional with like what went well today, what felt well today. What are we going to take away from this, good or bad? Let's talk about that. What what felt like a success and what felt like something that might wake me up at 2 a.m.? And so we automatically want to ask those questions because we want to normalize those are our experiences that we have. And we we offer um, – so that's kind of in the shift. And then we have a like uh, uh, an available – clinician that happens to be me that's available to talk with anyone when they have lingering thoughts or they have lingering cases that are eating them. Um, and as a social worker, this is like nothing that's new to me, but we're introducing that idea with the physicians. Like this is a part of practicing medicine. So we're introducing this to these seasoned and new trainees and stuff like that, that this is an important part of it. So we we build it in and we have a monthly wellness check-in where I kind of share um, um information or i share topics um you know we talked about this last year like how do we celebrate covid like how do we honor what covid was and i say celebrate but how do we honor like what this was it created amazing opportunities and it caused such devastation we also just have a community events where we have like a a national homeless person's memorial service in in december where we get together as a group and we have a little ceremony and we have a list of the people that we know that we um, met with and have passed in the past year and we honor them and have a little ceremony there as a group. And we just allow ourselves to have those feelings and express that grief and sadness. Um, And also have that thanks for like, but we got to meet them and we remember the stories. So uh, I have a binder that I keep of successes and memories. And so I write in that and I keep that as an active part of what I do. And so in this binder, it's, it has stories like, so-and-so got housed after 20 years or, you know, that's an ultimate success and we celebrate that, but also, um, so-and-so – I I have this story where this woman who used to call me up on the phone and just, like, scream at me, like, screamed at me in excitement when she was housed running across the street with two jugs of laundry detergent. She's like, I have a washing machine, right? And I got to, like, stop and, like, celebrate with her in that moment. And I just honor, like, that is such a cool moment that I got to have and I wouldn't have had if I stayed previously just in my little role of, like, I'm not going to do outreach, um, but we remember those things, and some of the successes are like so- and so passed away but but not inside in the hotel or got to see their loved one or the ultimate success I have is sometimes I'm like so and- so only told me to get lost five times. And they didn't even scream at once. But they, right, that is a success because we all know those patients that like tell you to get lost loudly and strongly and they didn't. Or they call me back or they they call us and remember things or they send us thank yous. Like we have these things and I just – I keep those along so I can go back to that when I'm not feeling like I'm being – my best self that I want to be and that I'm not being successful. I remember that. And that's also my place where I remember and write when I learned that someone I cared, you know, cared for passed away. And I just keep that. Um, And at this point I don't have to even look at it. I know what's there, but I just have to, in my head, know that it's there and it kind of grounds me like, Oh yeah. I'm actually a good person. I do some good things, even though I don't always feel like I'm being successful. Cause I think it's that self-talk that really gets, gets me down and, and does those things. Um, so it's a lot of practice like that. And it's a lot of just um, community. I say exercise, I went skiing and I do some of those things, but I actually think it's really important to have a shared experience and be openly talking about that um, and know that I'm not isolated. Cause I think vicarious trauma happens and, and these other trauma is, has that greatest impact when we think we're the only one experiencing it. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell the story of this emergency room physician who was he, lovely, lovely man, caring, but was, jaded from years of being in this broken system. And like, this isn't working. And um, I took him out one night um, in a snowstorm, which is like rare in Portland, but I think brutal. And like, we went to a shelter and I showed him what the shelter was. And he continues to thank me for like showing him what he was discharging someone to so he could advocate better for his patients in the hospital to be like, I know what that shelter's like. This won't work there. We got to keep them here. And it was just so, such a lovely change of like a really simple pivot in their thing from like one event that I'm like, wow, that is amazing. And like, I've taken out other folks that have done it and they, they they think about it and they think about like that out that intentional check in and the next day they call me like, that was really amazing. Like I can't even describe it, but it felt really good. Like this is why I went into medicine. And then we get a conversation of like, well, why was that taken from us? And we get to talk about that. And then we get to change that system. And that's how I deal with my wellness is like if I'm doing things to make the system better, I'll keep doing it all day long as long as I feel like I'm making an impact there. Um, and that philosophy really helps me Kind of get through all of this work. So,
0: yeah, I think a lot of what you're saying, where your wellness partially comes from going out and doing the work, resonated with me. I've definitely felt that after going out with Portland Street Medicine and in my previous outreach work. Um, it just there's a you can't yeah. like sleep. It's a, it's <laughs> it's a box. There's a different type of connection that you make with people when you're in there zone in their turf in their house you know in their tent Mm -hmm. it's it's different when you're in their space and in their safety zone compared to you know the sterile clinic
1: yeah and the pressure's (laughs) off right the pressure's off you just get like let's just visit oh you want me to leave cool see you later like no problem (laughs) like easily i'm out of here like like it's just kind of done like the rest of it's there and it's so funny to see this work like Right? You can see a patient – uh, this would happen all the time. Like a patient would be in the ER. They would be like – they would be reacting and having some behaviors that were frustrating because they were just trying to get their needs met. And then I could meet them the next day and they would just be super cool. And it was like, oh, it's, it's funny that like their response is like system-driven – It's not manipulative. It's just like, they're really just trying to say like, I need help. And they're not feeling that they're getting it. So when they can come and bring it to them, they're like, Oh, cool. Awesome. Here's what I need. And we can just talk about it. And it's just really funny. Like we have to flip it around. We have to have that philosophy of like the folks we're serving have not failed the system. The system has failed them. So what do we have to do to fix that is change the system, which if we change the system, their lives will improve. They will have change. They will have health. They will have wellness. And, that, and that's what we're here to do. That's why I got into this, is to help people access the wellness that they're looking for. Cool. H- how we do that is we figure out how to change that, sh- change the way we deliver it. Because um, the traditional way does work for some people, but we have to be adaptive. And it's so funny how that's like one of the things that medicine's adaptive within the walls of where we said we can be adaptive. And like, this is like, Cool. You know what's funny is I carry all this knowledge when I leave these walls. How do I how do I do that there? And there's you know liability and there's these real risks that we have to do. And street medicine we do address that there. But really, when we get down there, it's just do would you like this or not? Like there's this really great thing, and, and we have standards, but it's it really gets rid of some of those other pieces that are there and and simplifies it. And it also simplifies it to like, we can do this or we can't, you got to go in. And sometimes street medicine is trying to talk with somebody about, I know that the hospital didn't treat you well, but it's time. It really is. I need you to do it. How can I help make that experience a little bit different? And then we call ahead and try to change that, their experience a little bit by advocating and calling on our other colleagues. Because we have a hundred volunteers in Portland that do street medicine. We have volunteers in every hospital system. We might know someone. And the word is spreading and like, we're starting to see that. And if we can help patients be more prepared for what it's going to be like, they'll have a better experience there. So um, it's, uh, it, that's kind of like the method to the madness. There's a lot of, it. it's not just let's grab our bag and go out here. There's very much an approach that we have to take and a training and a different uh, philosophical change. And, and really what it is, is we, we keep our stethoscope on, but we lose the badge. Like we aren't the expert. We are the visitor. So we need to do that. and We need to listen and hear what people are wanting and then ask if they want the expertise we have. If not, we can just be a human. Cool. Nice to visit you. We'll move on. And that's a different power dynamic that we're shifting. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts for some of our folks. I get some of these ER physicians that come in. They're like, we're going to tell them to quit smoking. I'm like, no, we're not. You're going to sit in the van if you're going to talk about that <laughs> nonsense. You can just sit there and think about what you just said, or we can just be really cool and go and be like, hey, I'm true. I'm a, you know, I'm a social worker, like anything you need, what can I offer you and and changing that dynamic. And that is a shift, but it's a really freeing shift too, when, when we do it. Um, and I know almost all the ER physicians just love to do it because they're, because they're learning. They're like, oh, this is cool. I can use this in my practice. And then we're, they're getting more tools in their tool chest about to use in these restrictive, you know, hospital building settings. Yeah. I
0: love that. The idea of shifting the power and i think that it makes sense that that would make people feel more comfortable and like they are in control of their own health whether they today is the day or if it's not that's okay they still had hopefully a good interaction with you guys and they can move on and yeah
1: yeah and it's funny because i even see in the hospital like the patients have the power because they ultimately can say like, I'm not going to do this. Right. But we kind of pretend there is a power, like, don't get me wrong, but like, we need to like actually start thinking about like, oh, they are the experts in their lives. How can we shift that there? And and they really do have the power, but we have the power to say they're non-compliant. And then that is damaging for the rest of their life. Right. So we have, I'm not saying there's not a power differential. I'm just saying there's some power. And then there's this like, the patients have a lot of power and we need to empower them to use that to make those informed choices. Right. That's like that difference that, that I like to also talk in the streamers and like that they have that piece of it. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, that's another piece of it. Like the non-compliance, non-engagement, these, these words that are like so damaging that like we read in our charts all the time, uncooperative. When like, I would just challenge to say, like the intervention that our medical team came up with, was was not to what they were looking for. Cool, and it was this for this treatment. Let someone else make keep the judgment out of it. We said we really think we'd like you to not inject heroin. That wasn't something they were interested in. Okay, but that was our that was our recommendation. What can we do now, right? And 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 just having more of a frank conversation about doing something with. I can't do something with this is someone who's non-compliant. I don't know what any of that means, but I do know if somebody says like we offered them antibiotics and they don't want to take it. Oh, okay. Can you tell me why I can go with something there and have that conversation? And I think that's some of the philosophy that I like to think about and like flip it around and have, we need to practice more curiosity. And I think we practice with more like authority and like flipping that around. Like we need to be more curious, like, well, why today did you come into the ER or why today would you let us visit? Why now are you thinking about seeking care for us? And if we can start to hear that, folks will tell us the answers and we won't have to like reinvent the wheel. They'll tell us what they're looking for and then we can try to help match that up. But it's, it's really interesting. Like we think we listen in hospitals. I don't think we do very well. I I think we, we, we are like, we rarely hear and we we really aren't listening often, but we're usually speaking because we're worried about that next thing that we need to say, or we need to like, we're worried about the next visit. And that's, it's kind of changing that dynamic up to like, cool, just go out and listen, introduce and say hello. And it's a different, it's a different approach. And, um, but it's, It's actually very healing. The fact that we come out with four people that are willing to like offer help is healing in and of itself. A lot of people just thank us for like, I don't need anything, but thank you for coming out and caring. And like, you bet, you better believe it. That is practicing medicine for sure. That is a street medicine philosophy.
0: Yeah. I think that was something that stood out to me when I first started volunteering with you guys was just that, you know, you don't need to do anything, give anyone anything. Your presence alone can be healing and have an impact and you might not realize it there in that moment you don't even need any of this advice
1: I'll, I'll respect you like you don't want it cool that's that's all right i love to say yeah i do work at that hospital like i bet you we did treat you terribly if we can just validate their experience yeah. here's what we're doing in street medicine we're seeing people and we are hearing people and we're validating their experience because we're showing up saying you're right we sucked at this so we needed to come out to hear it to you Boy, those are really empowering phrases that we do. I'd love all the listeners to ask, how many times in your practice setting or in your schooling did you really feel comfortable saying, yeah, we really saw people where they're at and heard what they're saying and validated their experience? I bet you can count it on one finger if you're lucky, right? You might get one of them because we don't really validate their experience. We say, well, you have to leave them, you know. Whatever it is, we just we don't listen. We really don't see them because we're looking at just like the pro- like the one problem. Like, well, you're here for your diabetes. I can't deal with your houselessness. I can't solve the houselessness. Can we just acknowledge that does suck, and it must be complicated with your diabetes? But we often don't do those things. We just don't even hear or see what they're trying to tell us, and we sure as hell don't validate when we don't do that first one. So. Yeah. Can I? I want to ask you a question. Of like, like. So what was the biggest challenge, like, what was the biggest aha moment for you when you went out on your first shift? And I know you did outreach before, so it's a little unfair, but like, what surprised you about coming out with Portland Street Men's?
0: It was a different experience too, since I was doing such targeted work prior to this with my outreach. So I think going out and being able to have more of a general conversation, there was less of a goal (laughs) in what we were doing. Um. Was liberating for me. Uh, I think something that really stood out to me was, you know, shifting into this medical student role. I often feel like I know the least of everyone I'm around, and uh, I'm on it trying to think of like differentials in my head, and there's all these things going through my mind, and then it's hard to then I have to sort of check myself yeah. and be like, okay, you know, be present, be with the patient none of that matters. The experts are right here. I don't need to know the answer right now. I just need to be a human and talk with this person. Um, And I think I was able to do that out with you guys. And I think also saw that happen for the other providers, which was really powerful for me to sort of see them step out of this kind of professional shell and be more relaxed in front of people And open up. And and then also the other thing that I really liked was that, you know, not every interaction was positive. Some of them were really challenging and some people we interacted with really didn't want us to be there. Um, And that was hard for some of the team. And then we did have that debrief both, you know, immediately after that happened, but then again, at the end of the shift, And that was really powerful for me and nice and a huge change from previous places I worked or volunteered. And um, I think it was nice to hear other people process and then also have time for myself to process and talk it through with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you're not alone, right? I mean, yeah, it's
0: that community. We need that. And that's
1: what makes this so special is like, oh, we all felt that. Like so many times, right. In the, we experience it. We just think we're the only one feeling it or we don't know and we don't talk about it. And we, that's, I mean, that's, that is vicarious trauma or that is trauma. Like we just shove it in, like, nope, process that later. And like, well, what about now? Cause then we carry it to the next room. You know Mm. Um, I have a thing in the ER when I used to work in there, like, like, before I go into the room, before I, as I put my hand on the doorknob, I'm going to like really check. Am I really here? Do I feel my feet on the ground? Am I ready to like listen or am I thinking about it? And if it's not, I'm going to walk around the thing. And I do the same thing on street medicine. If I'm on a tent, like am I really here? Because they're going to call me on it. The thing that we have to recognize is our patients are the best bullshit detectors there is. They know if you're full of crap. They know if you really care or don't. So don't tell them you care if you really aren't expressing it. They're going to call it. And if they call you on it, just just be like, you're right. You're right. You caught me. I'm really sorry. I was distracted. If we can just be human and then co- course correct, cool. Right? But I see so many times like, no, I care. I'm not angry. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you were super convincing there and, and seeing that. And I think that's like one of the other tricks that I just really learned. And I was like, of course, that's they deserve that. Every human being deserves that thing. That's what we want to do. And it's my job to manage that and then not put that on them. And this is where our system needs to change. Like it doesn't really allow for that all the time. So we have to ask better of it for us and for our patients and for our future systems to do it, to create it. And that's like some of the work I want to do is like we need to be prioritizing patient's wellness but our wellness to be sustainable this is a big investment that y'all are making towards it and i want you all to be successful and and like continue on in your careers and do like this amazing healing work so in order to do that we got to give you all the tools and the opportunities to like really do this successfully and well and how you want to practice it and i think that's that's some of the challenges we have um together to do some of the work street medicine just happens to be one of the avenues i'm trying to do that um which you know which is it's working for me and, you know and that's great so i'm i'm fortunate enough to have that opportunity
0: yeah it's i think it's exciting to hear you talk about your ideas and you know the change that you want to see in healthcare cuz these are values that i care about too and want to want to be able to bring into my practice inside the hospital you know and hopefully also outside of the hospital doing things like street medicine in my future it um, it's just really nice to hear that other people also feel that way. I want to uh revisit you had mentioned at the beginning when we were chatting about kind of the beginning of you doing street medicine. So I wanted to know more about where this journey began for you. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Back
1: in my day, um I started doing outreach in Alaska. Um, I, I uh, So that's like like my my journey starts with there of like, I didn't, after graduate school, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Alaska. And I just started doing outreach to folks that are mentally ill up there. So I, I just say that like, this has been like my passion for a really long time. And I spent a long time doing outreach for mental health centers and hospitals by myself. Like literally, like I worked at, at OHSU, OHSU, um, and I was able to create a team of just a social worker and I would go and work with folks that have high utilization and I outreach them and I'd go and work to bring them to care. Like I said, um, and I started getting really frustrated because sometimes I would go and find somebody and spend hours getting them to their care and I'd get them to the doctor. And then the clinic would ha- say, Oh, you're 10 minutes late. We have a no show policy. You can't be seen today. And I'd be like, do you know what we did to get here? And they'd be like, Oh, sorry, we can't. And then what that ultimately says is, Oh, go to the ER to get your care. Like the, the, the clinic was saying that. Then they go to the ER. Then my ER would say, don't come here, go to your clinic. And we'd blame them. And we'd see this cycle. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like this whole system is broken. I need to tell people about it. So I say that, like I was doing this, I was witnessing it and and my wellness was being impacted because I was so frustrated. And honestly, this the idea started because when I was in Alaska, this doctor, Jim Withers, the founder of Street Medicine in Pittsburgh, like, you know, he is a wonderful person and you should – you know, if you ever get a chance to meet him, just thank him for his kindness and his caring <laughs> and for his vision to do this. So like call, shout out to him. But Jim came to Alaska and I told him this story. Um, uh, let's see. I was in Alaska. It was 2001. So before the Street Medicine Institute even started, he was just starting. He came and gave this talk and like it blew my mind. I was like, a doctor will outreach with me? Holy and – then, and then it took me – it took me 18 years, no, 17 years to be sitting in a room with two doctors like, I want to do this. And I was like, finally, I just needed 17 years to find the right people and do it, right? And I kind of, I say that and I joke about that, but it was just like persistence and like, I was lucky, but I had this desire. And and so um, a few of us, two emergency room physicians, an emergency room nurse and myself met and we met in, in late November. And honestly, we met by happenstance. I was at a health and housing meeting at the the Joint Office of Homeless Services was meeting. They happened to sit next to him and I. they mentioned it and I just slipped him my phone number. I was like, here you go. And like four months, three months later, we were sitting in Bill's Subaru driving around with borrowed supplies from some hospital system that I won't name. <laughs> um, and we were like cool let's go find some people and figure this out and we just drove around and we and we we really were just like meeting people and being like how could we help what could this look like we had these visions but we were really listening to people and kind of starting to do it and then it kind of caught on and and so that was in February of 2018 that we started and then we got this crazy and we were like let's start a nonprofit." and then like let's let's invite some of our friends to come out and like, let's, let's get a HRSA grant to like, cause I don't want to get sued. And then now we are here three years later, we have a hundred volunteers and we have five paid staff. We don't bill. Um, we aren't funded. We don't have any real ongoing funding from any health system we've been fortunate enough to have some health systems, like help us out and like help us out with a van or storage space or, you know, um, a few things here or there. Um, and we've kind of just kind of built this like from the ground up doing podcasts like this. This is street medicine. Me telling this story is a part of this journey. Just it was so important. And it was an important, it was important for me for my own wellness, but, but it was important because I was like, well, if not me, who? I need to exercise my privilege. I have a lot of privilege for those who can't see me. Like I'm a white cis male who grew up in a privileged class. Like, yep, I got to own that. I have a calling to do something about it and stand up for these things this is my time to show and take, take some action and show that I, you know, what I'm that, that I am an ally that that's sort of the street medicine philosophy of like, if not us who, but within a caveat, that doesn't mean we have to save everything, but just <laughs> couldn't we do that? Let's be intentional in our work and what we're doing. So.
0: It's funny how you talk about yourself and your role. Cause I think every time I've gone out with, Portland Street Medicine, if we don't have a social worker, that's what everyone's talking about. The entire shift is how, where's the social worker? Like, they know everything. They are just, they're the critical piece of this team. Um, And I think, especially as a medical student, it's so valuable to learn from social work the role that you have and the knowledge of the community and the resources. Um, and just, and also how you approach patients. It's. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're
1: pretty awesome. I mean, let, let's just be real. Social workers are awesome. Right. We all say our hospitals are multidisciplinary because we all have it. But how, how is it multidisciplinary when we push a button that says make a referral and I don't ever talk to the other individual or I might go quickly? With street medicine, I get a chance mm-hmm. to sit there and like hold the foot while the doctor looks at it and then. And then the nurse comes in and like does the bandage and I get to tell the doctor, walk back to the van and get me these bus tickets that you, that we need. And they go and do that. Then they come back and we give it to them. And we do all this. We like assess, treat, and make a follow-up care plan in like 15 minutes like the most efficient thing with like excellent care with like a great script and like, oh, and we'd like, you're going to get there this and I can make a follow-up appointment for you, like all really efficiently in this really seamless way. And the patients get to experience that. And they're like, wow, you all really care. You all are doing this really well. It's a different experience to do it side by side together. And I, and I like that because I love, I love like my role sometimes is to talk and my role is sometimes to like hold a foot. Cool. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Or my job might be to just hang back or deal with the police if they're there, whatever it is. And just like the physician's role might be this, or the physician's role might be like, just hold up the curtain while the nurse does their amazing thing. And we have all these talented people like just doing their thing and you get to see it and you get to celebrate it and like see it, which we don't always get to do. And that's like, what's so cool. Like, if you haven't done street medicine, you haven't really practiced in like the purest multidisciplinary team there is, uh, you got to go out and see it. And then you'll be like, Oh, we need this everywhere. Like I just, I'll like, right. And that's sort (laughs) of the contagion. Like I want ER your docs come out to me. Like I need to go in with my social worker. And at our hospital, I think they do that a lot. And we do go in and they, and then we know when to like back off and come on, we don't have to say it. We have this mutual understanding of the roles and like when to like do it. Um, and I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna I, I like to tell stories. So I'm gonna tell the story of um one patient that was like the most beautiful thing that you can do. And and you ER physicians, everyone that's been in the ER will know what this is at. So we walked into a shelter, six of us, and We actually had the, the, we had Bobby Watt and I'm going to shout to Bobby. So Bobby Watt is the CEO of the national healthcare for the homeless. He was in town and I heard it. I was like, dude, you got to come with us. He jumped in the van and was like, let's go. We're doing this. And he, (laughs) he loved it. So Bobby's like just in this shelf, you know, he's not from Portland. He's just wandering around and he is just excelling and he's just like a kind human. And he finds this one person like this person's like pretty tearful. We need to do something. And so the nurse went and like was checking in with her. And then, um, She and she started was having like some vague suicidal ideations. And so I came in as the clinician as a social worker and I, we kind of assessed. I did a risk assessment, and I really determined like this isn't really like true suicidal ideations, but there's this risk and there's this aftercare plan that we can do. And, and and on this team, I had a community health worker with me who like identified as having like some mental, like kind of like as a peer and they came in and did this beautiful interaction. And we left with like a beautiful aftercare plan, like safe, like she felt great. She had a plan. She didn't, she's like, I'm going to go to the ER after 15 minutes. This whole thing happened in about a 15, 20 minute period. She's like, I don't need to go to the ER. You all took care of this. I'm going to do this plan like the next day. And like, we changed like the whole course of the night for like that individual, that, that thing. And we say, thing, like, but no one would know about it. Cause we just kind of did it. But that's like the power of like having the right people there to like interchange and like do the thing. And like really sh- what she said was, wow, you all really care. If you all care, maybe there is like, maybe it can be different. And we're like, yep, there we go. There's that moment of hope that we clung on to. And we said, can you really be safe? And she's like, yes. And if I can't, I'll go to the hospital. Like, cool, that's what we want you to do. And um, to my knowledge, she didn't. Like, it did work out really well. And you never know what seed we planted with that individual who had shared with me. I go to the ER, like, all the time. Part of my job is to help people be engaged so they can access the wonderful skills that these – physicians and things have that I don't have that expertise, but I know how to like kind of engage and talk to people. And I know the resources and when we can bring all those together, we are going to actually tr- create true healing and, and help people access health versus just stabilization. And that's like that next piece. Like how can we, a- what are we doing to actually empower people towards greater health? That, that's the kind of healthcare I want to be practicing.
0: Yeah, it's so cool to hear that story and how, in my mind, I think about what that hurt or their interaction would have been like in the yeah. ER. You know, it would have been so different. They would have been there for a long right. time and probably been alone for a lot of it. And they would have left with the same plan, like, same plan, like, no, you know,
1: right? But... And and hope, and hope that, oh, this could maybe work, right? Like, that's what was so cool about this experience. You know, the other thing that's stream is it's really cool. It's like we get to, like, really problem solve, like, why won't you go? No one will watch my dog. All right, community, when you're in the camp, who can watch the dog or what can we do? Or I'm worried about my stuff. And we get to really problem solve these other realistic things. And, like, I, I want to give a shout out to, like, just – we have some amazing community partners, you know, that I can call upon favors and they'll be like, yep, I'll come, I'll come get the stuff and watch it or store it. Like we have, we've just built this like interconnected web of like, and, and some of those people are how uh, unhoused themselves or housed or whatever. But like some of, I think what healthcare gets so stuck in is we, like we, we practice with our little, like who's got the badge or these other things that we, and we don't really have these, especially in hospital settings, we don't have those, those collaborations as much as we, as much as we could and we don't maximize it and then then it's reciprocated so when when like these shelters we go to if we need somebody to maybe get a priority to access maybe they can get in and if they have a question they can call us right so there is this like reciprocated like we're supporting you you're supporting us i love when we go to like soup kitchens or like now with covid they're like outdoor meals it's lovely to have a meal i loved when we could go and and sit down have a meal and just check in with each other and, and have um just, you know, have community over a meal. Like that's a normal thing. So it's really nice if you can kind of do those things. So, um, I encourage any of the listeners like if you haven't, if you don't have a stream lesson team where you are like, go, go, go down to the soup kitchen, ask to volunteer, go, go have a meal there. I'll, I'm going to tell one other story. Cause this is a really powerful story. Like the power of what you can do is I worked with an individual for a while. And, um, like, she had had a very extensive trauma history in and out of the hospitals, lots of abscess with a uh, pretty significant opiate use disorder that was really rampant in her life and like a, a lot of chaos. And I worked with her for a few months, like, kind of just checking with her and like kind of helped guide things and like had some difficult conversations. But, um, um, in the like after this was actually about six months. I was able to help her actually access some housing. And when she got in housing, she wanted to thank me, but she didn't have any other way to thank me. So her her thanks to me was, would you come have a meal with me at the soup kitchen? Cause that's where I have access to food. And it was just like this lovely moment of like, I would be so honored to come and do that. And so I say that with pride, you know, um, because like that was, that's what I got to do. And that was just such a great moment. And it was so, it was so important to me. And it was so important to her, I think. I don't know how important, but like, you know, it was just like such this, this special thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I have boundaries and all these things, but we can still do those things. We can still have that human connection and we can still like, um, look at that as like, what a healing process. And I, and I just like, that is just such a street medicine that like, that's such an outreach moment for me, but it's just like, so cool. And I'm like, if any of people listening, like heard that and like, didn't like get a little goosebumps or a little like emotional like are you a robot or what's going on i mean come on like that is like such a cool moment in this it you know it was it was just so cool that i have to say that like i never would have thought that would have been something i experienced but i got to from this and i'm like so thankful for that like how cool is that right um that street medicine because it it, like even now like i i have i have good endorphins going because i'm like i'm a cool like that was cool and I got to be a part of that. Wow. Yep, I want to go out and do more of this, right? And I think we have to build those those stories in to like keep us going through I had a really crappy day today. No offense like it was intense, right? And this is like, nope, I'm gonna go back tomorrow, right? Because I have those things. So I'm demonstrating my self care by right now as we're recording this. But that's that's how we do it. You never know when we need it or when we need to experience it. So
0: it's so nice hearing all your stories and it also gives me time to reflect on some of the experiences I've had. Um, but I think just, yeah, for people who are listening, knowing that medicine can be your career, but also can be this place that you, can spend your time outside of, you know, your work hours and really get so much out of it that like heals your soul and like fills the cup and gets you to wake up the next day and be like, I want to go to work again because, you know, I'm still working with this population inside the hospital. Um, But you see them in a totally different light when you get to step into their world and hear their stories and have the time to have those deep, conversations and see them in a more raw way. And then they get to see you also be more raw, more real. I think that's healing for everybody involved. Yeah. It it
1: makes all the job like so much easier. It's so funny. Like I try to tell people that and they don't always believe me until they experience it. Like if you do this work, if you lean into it and you kind of get the tools and you do it right, it makes everything so much easier because you know what? I go to the hospital Nothing you all say, like, like I can, I got it. I've, I, I have a response. I can be authentic. I can be genuine. And I can also speak like that's not something we can offer. Right. And I just feel prepared. And I think that's when we get in this, Oh, I don't know what to say. Like you said, like, I'm thinking about the, like, I got to think about what's differential because someone's going to call me on it. If I don't like, like, cool. After we get the training that becomes natural and then we get to do these things. And that's what, I think that's what people are looking for is, I, that's what I'm looking for authenticity and, and, and an and intentional practicing and intentional people. That's, that's, that's what feels good. And that's what a lot of this work offers us. And it's just, it's just refreshing, right. When you, when you can do it. And yeah.
0: yeah. It's pretty cool work. And I feel really special to be able to have you on here and tell your stories yeah. and have other people hear it. Cause I think a lot of people don't know this exists and um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it can happen elsewhere outside of Portland and people can feel empowered yeah. to start their own street medicine.
1: Right. I mean, I, I let me see. like, there is like, those are the street medicine Institute is a wonderful organization. It's there's international things. You can find out if there's a local chapter there and if there's not, you can create it. Not everyone has the <laughs> privilege. Like I had the space in my life where it took me 18 years. Right. Like, but but I don't want people to think that they can't do it. But I, I, I do want to like the piece of it. It's like, it's not just like, well, I'm just going to go out and do it. Like we really are intentional. We really think about it and we really staff cases. That's the other thing I shouldn't say. Like we are really like, should we see this? Why are we doing this? Like, and we talk about it and we bring in the experts and we think about it. And we, and we, so it's not like we're just like, Oh, let's go out and do whatever. But we 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 have the right training set. There's a risk that we can go out there and then be surprised, like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm seeing. Because you do see things that you you. I mean, you walk you walk into someone's home and you see how they're living, and you're like, no one should be living in these conditions. And I'm going to walk away today. But yes, we are because our role was this, and we mm-hmm. did these things, and we offered what we could, and we couldn't fix that. There is a risk of that, and that's some of our volunteers. Have really appreciated that we've kind of prepared them for that part of what they're doing, yeah. and and again set those expectations. Like our expectations are they'll talk with us. So if we get that, great. Or if they say get lost, we respect that and we get lost. Anything beyond that's great. But if we go like we're gonna fix it, oh, we're already setting ourselves up for some kind of failure there. So that's what I mean. Like there's a risk to us. Like if, like I've known people that are like I'm just gonna go do this on my own, and I don't I don't recommend that. Right. Because it's not there's very much a skill set, I'd say, in in engaging and like uh, and all these things um, to do it. And we like the partnership, like we always have a rule, like no one goes alone. You always are with somebody else. And like that's for like safety. But it's also just like keep us in check. Mm -hmm. And like we hold each other accountable. Like sometimes we recognize I'm getting emotional Uh, I can tell a story. We had a nurse who's like, this person's like, I'll go to the ER if somebody watches my dog. We couldn't watch the dog. So this nurse says, I'm going to come back and get your dog. And we had to be like, nope, you're not going to do that. And we had to talk about why, but this this was a long time ago. And this nurse still to this day, thanks me for the way that I talked with her about that. And the way I painted that picture and the way I gave her permission to not do that and be okay with it. And she's like, it has changed Mm -hmm. how I practice in my hospital. And I was like, Wonderful because I she thought if I don't k- take the dog, I'm not caring, and I said, No, we're caring and we're not going to take the dog, and we have to have that knowledge. And we get that when we hear that from other people, but that's like a really important thing that we kind of have to learn and practice and like hear over again. But I, I really appreciate um, that I had that opportunity to help in that case and to really that individual, like, just really was telling us, I'm not ready to go to the hospital okay, that's all right. And we, you know, that we don't have to resolve all of that, but we gave choice. And that's where, if you come with, mm-hmm. we're going to empower people to make the informed choice they want to make. Cool. That's my job is to just inform, let you have it, make an informed decision. And it might be, I want to keep, I don't want to do that. or I want to keep doing this. No, we're, we're going to be all right. And I think that's what I'm really appreciative is we have these processes to do it like the debrief. It's wonderful it's not rocket science. You, you experience it and go like, it's not that crazy, but it's the intentionality, right? We're, this space is sacred and it's important and you're not leaving until we do it. So it's a little bit mandatory, but it's not really, but it's, you know, and then we just open it up and we do that. And that's just a really important part of what, that commitment to doing this work and sustaining it. So. I also wanted to, just, like, I want to give a shout out, like, portlandstreetmedicine.org. That's our website. We have some cool videos. If you want to kind of see what it's like, we, we've we been really fortunate enough to have some patients that have been willing to, like, let us film them and record their story and talk about it so you can see a little bit about what we're doing. Um, I think those links are on the website. If not, they're on YouTube and stuff like that. But if people don't know what we're talking about, they're, they're, they're nice videos to, like, get a little snapshot of what this looks like. I, I'd encourage people to check that out. They want to. Let me see. I just wanted to thank thanks for the opportunity to like present here, and I I wanted to thank the listeners for like being interested and sticking it through to the end. If you're listening to this, I really appreciate it. But I I I, I say it because I love this work. But I think it's just so it's so meaningful. Um, and so needed and so necessary and and start from selfishly for me. Like we need to like change these things and do these things and think outside the box and look for opportunities to do things better so that we can stay here. Cause I am in this for the long haul. Like I am here to try to create a better community and a better place for everyone to live and, and have healthcare and health be accessible to people. And so it's, it's a part of, that's a part of like who I am. So thanks for like being interested in this. Thanks for choosing to be in medicine. Thanks for choosing to, to want to join this, this profession and do it because it's not everyone is, is set up for that. And my challenge to you is like, remember why you did it and keep that always with you. Cause there will be a day in the future where you'll check in and you will be like, Nope, I've drifted from that. And then my 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 challenge to you now is have a plan for that to try to avoid it or to react when it happens because it will happen. And I think you can't say that you weren't warned by this dude named Drew from Portland like in 2021 about it. So here's an opportunity for you to have that power to like, nope, I'm going to do something about it when it comes because it will come at some point. And it's not it's a part of the process and it's a part of our growth. So th- thanks for that. And thanks for letting me, Come and talk and Thanks for coming out with Street Medicine. I just, you know, it's awesome work and amazing people and amazing people we care for. It's just great. So,
0: well, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your stories. They were entertaining and uh, moving and really inspiring. Um, I this whole conversation just gets me excited for my future and hopefully all of our listeners feel the same. Um, I'm gonna start a binder i think yeah of stories my successes and you know times that were hard as well because i think like you said it's pretty cool to be able to look back at that remind myself of why we're here cool so thanks awesome thank you
1: have a great evening or day whatever this is when you're listening to it
0: yeah thanks for joining us